Hey guys, we are back. I just got back from spending two weeks in Australia. Aaron was recently in Mount Shasta mm-hmm. where he met Lowell Johnson. Yep. Uh, and they had an amazing experience there. And we're going to talk about Mount Shasta and, and Lowell Johnson. If you don't know who he is, he, uh, during one of his trips to Mount Shasta, he was unexpectedly invited by the inner earth beings of Telos, uh, to explore their city, and it's an absolutely profound story. Uh, and one of my favorites, one of my favorites, uh, and the way Lowell shares it, it's very matter of fact. It's very um, there's a lot of credibility there. It just ma- it makes sense to me. It resonates. We've been wanting to get him on for a while, uh, so w- welcome to the show, Lowell. We're we're excited. Thanks for inviting me. You know, it was it, all things. There's no coincidences, and. When Aaron and I got to meet one another, we could see where this was going to go sooner or later and that we'd have an opportunity to do this and share for more people. Because like you said, and I don't want to put words in Aaron's mouth, the people that were with me when we went up on the mountain and hiked had their own profound experiences. And Aaron can speak to that. Mm-hmm. That's all I wanted to get out of it. But when he did... I knew that then we resonated in the same place. And, um, you know, my story is a bit, it's, it's not easy to digest. It wasn't easy to digest for me in the first place. Mm-hmm. Uh, as time went on, it, when anything profound like that happens, you wonder what the hell is all this? Mm-hmm. And what does it mean to me? It took me months really to unpack just tellos. And then the year after that, you know, here comes something else. And, you know, how do you put all that in perspective? And really, in order for me to put it all in place, um, it took until really the early part of last year for me to understand what all this is about. Yeah. Um, so I'm in a better place to speak intelligently about what that was, because um, enough time has just passed for me to assimilate you know, what I experienced and what's happened and the people and things that are around me that I now I can make some sense of it. There was, uh, I was reflecting today because it was almost a year ago that I, it was after this second profound experience I'd had. And I had been asked by um, um, Alan Seinfeld to you mm. know, do an interview with him. And it was still fresh in my mind. So when we got through explaining what this phenomenon was all about alan turned to me and said well you know what can you tell us what can you share with us that will help others i don't know (laughs) and i didn't at the time i didn't know enough and it hadn't assimilated enough for me to understand what the hell the content was and then how does this help others well i have a clear vision of how it does now and so i'm in a much better position to help others understand it because those experiences i had weren't going to be just for me they were meant for others Mm -hmm. i wholeheartedly agree with i wholeheartedly agree with that because um inner earth seems to be popping up a lot lately and i think those beings down there um they want to help and it's time for them to start interacting with individuals to assist in this process we're going through on the surface Uh, and eventually you know the way they live down there is is where we should be right uh and they're higher dimensional beings already and you know they're just watching us and they're here waiting for the time that we vibrate at the same level that they do for them to really begin to share what they have for us yeah yes we're getting there we are we are and 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 that's why uh our 
attention recently has shifted towards inner earth, something I'm kind of being guided to start diving into a little more. And I feel like we've spent so much time out in space that we're neglecting what's right below our feet, right? And it's just as profound, if not even more profound, what's taking place on our own planet that we're just kind of blind to, right? So I guess we can just dive right in. And if you want to just let us know how you ended up at Mount Shasta meditating and getting invited <laughs> in, just jump in and, and just tell us the story because uh, it's fascinating and people need to hear what's going on down there. Yeah. Um, you know, in order for me to put it in a perspective, because when these things first happened to me and I was kind of put in that community of people who you know, had profound experiences, um, at first I, I didn't understand what it meant. When I had gotten around people like Ruben Langdon and some others that have had you know, opportunities to be and interview lots of people that had profound experiences, they were either channelers or they were people who had extraordinary experiences. Some of them were you know, extractees. And I'm trying to figure out, you know, where do I put myself? And I don't find, I can't find the mail slot I fit into. Yeah. It took me a while. And even the concept of Middle Earth didn't resonate at first. Understood Telos, and it took me a while to figure that out. But in the bigger scheme of things, it just takes time to assimilate that. So mm -hmm. when you understand Telos is one fraction of inner Earth, right. now it becomes more sensible to me. And you began to talk about how we've been looking at you know, the sky all this time. And I'm not lost on that. But that seems to be now that um, um, the idea of disclosure is getting a little more momentum and there's a little more sense behind it. Um, it didn't make sense to me either, except now I, I kind of chuckle because I see everybody pointing in the sky and looking for lights. Mm -hmm. well, we already know that they're there. Yeah. Um, I know it's new for a lot of people and it'll continue to be new. But my experience, like you pointed out, was about multidimensional beings that are here and have been mm -hmm. here for a long time that we just either neglect uh, or ignore if we're aware of their vibration we just weren't in touch with it at all but now that we are oh my god that should put into focus that if you believe that there's a shift that's coming and it's imminent here are the signs guys that there's a rapidity and how quickly things are accelerating all of this happened to me within a two-year span before that, I was running hotels and casinos and, you know, I was living the life like everybody else. But holy cow, when you finally get that call and you get to see things that are around you when you vibrate at that level, now I know what I'm supposed to be doing. Six months before I was really done with the job, there was something that was grinding inside of me that said, you're supposed to be doing something else. And mm -hmm. so reluctantly, I quit the job and I was making six figures. I was in the casino business. I had good perks. The, the work was good. Um, but there was something way bigger than that that was waiting for me to uncover. And I don't know if that's really the right way to put it. Whatever I was supposed to wake up to and realize for myself, that day was on its way. Well, here we are. And now I'm finally beyond it to a degree where I can see that that had an impact for other people as well, not just me. So I'll tell you how I found Telos. I can tell you first what I knew about Telos before I got invited there. 
I saw it on the cover of a book the first day I went through Shasta. That was what I knew about it. I had... um, You you didn't have any understanding of that it even existed prior to uh, visiting Shasta. No. I had... um, I had experience because I was trying to do some past life regressions. I had ways that I wanted to back the truck up to where my starseed beginnings were because I resonated with Pleiadians a couple of years ago. And that's when this whole thing started. I started to go down all those rabbit holes to learn what I could about them. And um, somehow I'd always been interested in Atlantis. That had always been stuck in my head since the time I was a kid. And I was able to find someone who could help me through a past life regression that took me there showed me what I did, showed me who I was. And in order to understand that, you've got to have some exposure to Lemuria and what happened prior to Atlantis. Mm -hmm. So I had at least that foundation of information, um, but not Telos and what what had been happening inside Mount Shasta. Shasta was a second thought. This was all going on during COVID. And it was the end of June so that when in February, when the lockdown had happened and everybody was stuck inside their house, by the time it got to the end of June, like we're all stir crazy. And mm-hmm. I like being in nature. I want to go connect with source. And that's, I can find it there. So when the situation had relaxed, I had planned to go visit national parks, like in the Southwest, you know, the Four Corners, because mm-hmm. there's tons of them there. I'd been there before and I thought, well, here's a good place to just get out on my own go out and find some space. But as I was doing my research, I was learning that there were Facebook posts that some of these national parks weren't even open. Mm. And as soon as that wherewithal came into my mind, Shasta was the next thing that popped into my head. Don't ask me how, don't ask me where. Um, I wasn't supposed to understand it. I was just supposed to go there. Well, Mm. to me, it made pretty much sense because it was four hours from Santa Rosa where I am. was, you know, half a day to get there. And it wasn't that I hadn't driven by it several times, and I'd heard about whatever magic is there, but was never really driven to go and explore it until then. And even then, I still chalked it up to it was an accident. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, I know better now. Nope. <laughs> um, so when I got there, the first day, it was too late for me to think about hiking. I got there mid-afternoon. So after I checked into where I was staying, I just walked up and down Main Street to you know see what was where and why. Um, I've always been a crystal fanatic, so it didn't take anything but you to tell me there's a crystal shop here. There, I think there were five of them at the time. Checked them all out except the crystal room I saved for last. And that was when I kind of stumbled into, you know, Haruko's shop at Blue Star Child Gallery, which was a whole another rabbit hole Mm. because things that I had seen in her shop, like day three that I was there, I was going to see when I visited Telos. it took me a while to connect all those dots. So I had gone with the idea I was going to spend a week there. My son, who was also you know unemployed, we decided that maybe that second week we'd hook up in Reno or Lake Tahoe or something, and you know just expend some more time outside hiking. 
Well, after the first week, the vibration was so good that I just wanted to stay there and explore. I hadn't gone to the same place twice yet, and there were more places I wanted to explore. So by the time I got to the second week, I told my son, I'm going to stay a little bit longer. Well, in the end, the one week turned into five before I left and went back home. And it was the last weekend when that experience took place. That Friday of that weekend, there were a couple of things that I had wanted to explore. And one of them was Black Butte. It's another mountain nearby. It's about 6,500 feet to the top, but you can climb all the way to the top if you're so inclined. Now, I did my research before I was going to make that hike. And even the online accounts warned you about what this kind of hike is because it was dangerous. Mm -hmm. It's nothing but loose rock. That's all it is. So they call that scree. And there were clearly two places along the way where it had slid down Mm -hmm. and I had no business trying to crawl over that. No business whatsoever. And I was hiking alone. I had seen two other couples that had made their way. But um, in the end, um, it was a beautiful view when I got there. It took me longer to get down than it took me to get up. When that was over, that was what I had chosen to do that first day. That Friday after I had left um, the same place where we had all communed those mornings, we went to the um, Gateway Peace Garden. It's a beautiful place with a beautiful um, lavender labyrinth and thousands, it would be fair to say, of peace ribbons that have been left in this environment. And it's just wonderful. So after I'd spent the morning there, because I hadn't seen it back then either, I decided to drive up to that spot up at the top of um, Everett Memorial um, highway which is as far as you can drive up the mountain there's really three levels of parking there and so i was going to drive there and i got there a little before noon and i'll figure out what i'm going to do for the rest of the weekend so when i got there there's about there's four picnic tables if i remember right and one of them was available so i went over to sit at it and i'm looking back at shasta and at shastina well the sun is in a place overhead now where it's starting to cast shadows on Shastina, especially. And it looks to me like there could be cave openings over there. So I noted that around and I thought, well, I'm going to go explore that because it it doesn't look like it's going to take that long to get there and hike. There, Where I wanted to go was going to be off trail, but that's where I like to go anyway. I'm not interested really in following everyone's trail. That's not where I think I'm going to find magic. And the only thing in the back of my mind, these whole four weeks I'd been here so far, is that I was certainly aware that St. Germain had made himself known to um, Guy Ballard in the 1930s, shared information that was meant for humanity. And I can't tell you how many books he wrote, nine, 10, maybe more. And then, you know, there was a society, society that formed around that whole idea of what St. Germain had to tell us tell us all. um i was hoping to find that i was out in these areas where i could tell if anybody had been there before it's been a long time but i was under the impression i was traveling in areas where i doubt anybody had traveled before and so you know here i am it's just me guys come on i would love to connect with you if there is a way that you suggest i can connect the spirit then here I am, and I want to explore. 
so that morning when I had, um, well, I should back up the truck because I never intended to take this hike that day anyway. That Saturday was the day that I had gone to Black Butte. And by, I'd left the trailhead at 10, got back to my car at 4.30. It took me six and a half hours to make that trip. And like I said, it took me longer to get down than to go up. It was just fatiguing. Mm -hmm. So by the time I got back to my room at 6.15, I had showered and got to bed. And I said, I'm just going to lay in bed tomorrow, watch TV, and just kind of recover. In spite of the fact that it took me a few weeks to realize that whatever energy that's there is palpable. Because I was hiking like that every day. And a guy my age should have to recover at least a day in between. And I wasn't. I was going out doing strenuous hikes every day. And the next day, ready to do it again. So after that, I had woke up Sunday morning. And I normally get up a little before 7 anyway. I start my day out by 20 minutes of meditating. And it just kind of sets the tone for the day. I rolled over to go back to sleep and, you know, it just kind of meandered back and forth. So it got to be like 930 and my guides just kicked me in the ass and said, get your clothes on and let's go. Mm. So a little before noon, I'm back up to the spot. And from the car, I took a photograph from where I was going to go. I've been journaling accounts of profound thoughts I had been having for some time now. And I've been taking pictures of places I've always gone because that's kind of who I've been. I didn't know how well that was going to serve me when it got to seeing extraordinary phenomenon. Because I'm going to learn later that these are all for your portfolio, though. And so I kind of tucked that information away, not really understanding what it meant at the time. But later on, I'm sure it'll be revealed. So when I got there and I began the hike, um, the trail goes up to Old Ski Bowl Trail. And most people that take the trail where Aaron and I headed that morning that we went there, they want to head up the mountain. And so we took the trail that actually goes off to the left-hand side. And then we began to explore that. Rarely did I ever see anybody going in that direction. But um, when we started to hike up to the spot, I got around this last corner and then you can start to see areas when you pay attention that are greener than it should be, mm. that there's lots of green lush ground cover in areas that look like they're ethereal playgrounds. Right. Yeah. So those are the ones that always drew my attention. And, you know, if you feel energetic energy signatures at all, you got near these places and something just, it wasn't a chill, but that kind of electromagnetic, you know, jolt mm -hmm. um, kind of fired up. So as I passed these places, I noted where they were. And as I got up closer to like the side of the mountain, I, you would find them. And not only were they green and lush, most of them had like rocks around trees that look, how does this even happen? We found a couple of trees growing out of rocks that made no mm -hmm. sense to me yeah. but the, here they are nonetheless so on this particular day i found one of those energetic spots and i understand that i'm a light worker it's not my job to come to shasta seeking an energetic exchange but that's what i get and i understand that i'm a light worker it's my job to plant light from source here to gaia that's what we do so i make a point of planting light no matter where i go and you leave that ethereal signature behind. Mm -hmm. I dare you to walk through it 
and not feel whatever light I left behind. That's what I tend to do. As I was doing that, we would mark these spots with an infinity symbol and leave this as an activated area that we knew we found energetic signatures. And we would um, take compass readings of them so that we could tell people where to find them in the future. Um, as time goes on, and what I learned over these two years since I first went there, there wasn't gonna be just one energetic vortex portal, call it what you want. There are many now. Um, when I got a chance to go back the second year and with a whole different perspective and a different kind of attitude because my DNA has been cracked wide open and I have recall of things. I don't know how I know them. I just know that I know them. Right. Um, well, that, that's, what I, happens. that's what happens with the DNA activation. It, it unlocks mm. all that dormant memories, you know. That's right. From, from whatever experience, a parallel life, a past life, uh, astrally, galactically, inner earth, whatever it might be. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah, there are, we can follow those timelines because you're right. You know, when I have these discussions and they're with, you know, new people that are kind of new to this content, um, you, I kind of, it's a Capricorn in me and I need to kind of build a foundation of information for you because that's how it made sense to me. It's I could have just dismissed way. all this stuff. And it, had I not built something that could draw on science mm -hmm. and cosmology and, you know, whatever spirituality is in all of us that just needs to be reawakened and needs to be nourished, um, then all of a sudden, you know, you get to experience things around you that have been around you all this time, but you finally vibrate at a level where you can experience them. Yeah, right. And it's important. Exactly. It's important to lead up to the story of entering Telos because... If you just we just started, you just dove into the story, a skeptic or anyone who's unfamiliar is going to have a lot of questions. So, I mean, you covered your ground. We're up at the spot now where you had the experience. Were you just meditating? And what happened at that point? Well, when my um, method of planting light is um, once I find this spot and it's energetically, you know, in sync with me, um, then I take four infinity breaths. And I understand those to be, you know, they pass through my heart core, go to source, bring down light, and then I anchor it and the process begins again. I do that four times and my work is done. Um, so I did that in the first spot. And then I noticed there was another spot a little bit higher, similar in uh, the composition to where I was, but a little bit higher. And so I decided to move up there and I began the process again. And then I saw one last spot and it was actually almost against the mountain, but there was almost a, a enclave of three boulders that had kind of outfitted this spot. The boulder on the left-hand side was narrow and a little higher than my inseam, so I could get up over it. The other two boulders were pretty good size, but once I got up on the inside, man, here's a space that's maybe eight by eight. And so I was looking back at where I came and off in the distance, I can see the parking lot. Well, there's nobody near me at all. And so I decided I planted my light there and then I sat down in this space. So <laughs> there's no one that's gonna see me from where I was now that I was down in that space. I had some grapes, I had some water, and I was listening to music on my phone through my earpods. Um, 
the music had stopped after I had just put my grapes and water away. The music stopped. And at about the same time when I sat up, I sensed almost like a shadow because I don't know what else to call it. And it was like moving from where I was sitting because I was flat on the ground and like this in about the same way, I felt almost there was a similar canopy that was coming over me this way. Well, when I kind of sat up to take notice of whatever that was, I felt a breeze from behind me. And when I turned around, there was a hole where I had been sitting against the rock and the only thing between me and the rock was dried brush. That was it. Well, now there was an opening that had to be, you know, it was two feet taller than I was. I'm six feet tall. So I stood up to turn around and see what this was. And as I turned, I could see that there was a little bit of a rise and then this went downward. As my eyes was adjusting to the light, it almost looked like there was somebody down there. And once I got that realization in my head, I heard somebody ask me, do you wish to see Telos? Wow. Well, mm. you, your engine kind of fires up. And I, it's not that I had any fear because I'm all about experiencing things I have not yet. Mm -hmm. um, but this was going to be new to me. I wanted to know what it was. So I started to make my way down. And at first I thought, whoever this is down here, I thought was about my size, you know, adult size. And when I got closer and I could really see who it was, <laughs> this person's not six feet tall. They're like eight feet tall. They're two heads wow. taller than I am dressed in white. Um, his garb had some colored ribbons on it. And I didn't know if that was um, just bling. Is that Lemurian bling or is yeah. that some indication of a rank that you held. Mm. When I got close enough, he said, you can call me Alex. I said, well, that'll be easy to remember because that's my son's name. He said, yeah, we know about your son. Follow me. So as we wow. made our way down this, and you know, in retrospect, it would make sense that this is a lavatory. This is all volcanic area around here. So it certainly makes sense that that's what this is. So as we start making our way down, he's telling me about the construct of um, Telos, uh, about the king and queen, and about the um, council of 13 and Adama and um, how many levels there were. And as we got closer to the bottom, you could see light that was coming from the other side. Well, as we got closer to wherever this area was, I turned around to look behind me. And whatever opening I might have come from and whatever light might have come from that, yeah, there wasn't any more. It was <laughs> dark behind me. Right, so wow. this now opened up into, I just, I want to call it a staging area because I don't know what else to call it. But when I we moved into this space, and it's pretty well lit, there are five more of these tubes on the opposite side. And there is a platform here just to our left. It's about six by six, and it appears to have like two bucket seats on top of it. There's another one off to the left over there. There's another one off to the right over there. And as I was kind of measuring all this up, <clears throat> Alex had made his way to the other side, sat down on this device uh, on the other side and invited me to sit next to him. Well, as soon as my butt hit that seat, this thing levitated and off we went. We headed toward that middle 
YouTube. And what I remember most about it is you understand the sensation of movement. You feel something moving past your physical form when that's happening, like a breeze. Uh, and even when there's no wind, you just understand that sensation. I didn't feel any of that. Nonetheless, we were moving. And as we got closer to wherever the end of this tube was and light started to come from the other side, now you can see whatever crystals were embedded in this wall are starting to catch the light refraction from the other side. And every inch you took, it just changed the light refraction. So you felt like you were in a live kaleidoscope going through this thing. I didn't want it to end. But when my heart core had grown so much from this joy, now we open up into what this is. I'm seeing level one of Telos. So he moves us into the space and then rises up. So you've seen in photographs, cityscapes. This is what I see of the city of Telos. It's circular in orientation. There are crystal buildings everywhere. And in the center of this city is a white pyramid with a capstone on the top, which was also white that day. I'll learn a year later when um, I got to know who Diane Robbins was. Diane has written three books on Telos and has been channeling Adama for know, 40 years, maybe longer. Um, she lives in Shasta and bless her heart, she agreed to spend some time with me. And when I did, after I left that day, she had sent me something that she had never put in her books. And she said, you know, there was something that occurred to me when you told, told me about the capstone again. She said, you know, there's correlation between that and the day of the week. You were there on a Sunday. The capstone mm -hmm. was white. That's why everyone was wearing white. Had you been there on Saturday, it would have been purple. Had you been there on Wednesday, it would have been green. Oh, well, that was interesting to know. So he explained that this level one is where most people live. There's additional you know, accommodations on the second level. Whatever administrative parts they have there are there on that level. Um, there are several temples that are there on that level. Uh, then the second level has whatever schooling provisions they have and some manufacturing for whatever they do manufacture. The third level, which I did get to see, was where their hydroponic gardens are and amazing technology. They're, they're not planted in the ground. They're infused with water that's you know, um, enhanced by crystals. And so this perpetuates whatever this crop is. So it grows more rapidly. Okay. So from this spot on the third level, um, I had questions about how does this feed everybody? If in the end, how I understand it, there had been provisions made for 200,000 uh, of the Lemurians to find safety there at Shasta. And it happened so quickly that 25,000 made it. It's said today there's more like 1.2 million, which over time would certainly be reasonable. All the more reason for me to understand how in the world does this feed the entire population? Well, I finally have the answer to that. And the same way that our bodies, if you understand the photon energy that's now coming from the sun, that's nourishing every sentient being on the planet, including the planet, um, is altering our DNA. 
And in our particular cases, when the shift comes, our body changes from this carbon form to crystalline. You understand, right? Yes, Everybody absolutely. nods their head. Absolutely. They're already crystalline form. They are. They don't have carbon bodies that need to be nourished and break down the way that ours do. I couldn't tell you if they're hundreds of years old or thousands of years old. It really makes no difference. But what I learned in the end is that, you know why they eat? Because they enjoy eating, hmm. not because they have to eat. Hmm. They enjoy it. Now that made perfect sense to me. And again, it's one of those things that it just takes time for it all to assimilate. Right. The yeah. whole idea of crystalline bodies was something that came later that is certainly true. And I can tell you that I sense different things going on with me. I know I've had drastic physical changes in the last three years. I didn't have any intention to change my the way I ate a diet. Um, but when I left Louisiana, I was 35 pounds heavier than I am now. And it wasn't that I joined a health club or I thought I need more exercise. Spirit just made me crave different things. And over a six month period, without me doing anything else, it just kind of morphed into this form. Now, I don't understand why, and maybe I'm not supposed to, but I see the other people my age around me, they don't look talk act like i do and i get that but something in my physicality is changing beyond this as well my diet is different i'm not as hungry for heavy food anymore i tend to like fresh things which makes perfect sense mm. um, we're trying to nourish ourselves with as much direct solar energy as we can get as opposed to eating you know dead animals right um, also resonates with me as well so i'm healthier than i've ever been I'm sure that you know, we'll talk about Ethereum at a other time. I'm certain that that also had something to do with my physicality. Because over time, I had a history of high blood pressure all my life. I've had uh, arthritis because I've been an athlete and a hockey player all my life. I can tell you that once I started meditation and I got to this level, both of those things are gone. And now my joints feel like I was in my early 20s again. Whatever things I used to have that bothered my knees and my elbows, whatever, gone. So, that explains to me why I can hike the way that I do. Right. Mm -hmm. So let me yeah. let me slow you down a little bit. Um, for one, I've heard other accounts of inner earth, hollow earth, uh, being very healing just in itself. Just being there in that frequency automatically starts to heal our DNA. And any diseases or anything that we may have gotten from a vaccination or whatever it, it almost gets reversed and it's an it, it heals your whole energy body so it would make sense that you're having this experience but i want to go back to when you first got there and, and you saw the crystal city i'm very curious about the walkways or the roads like what did that look like was there roads do they have these platforms that they float around on uh we've heard so many different stories i'm just curious from what you saw the um, I had seen an illustration of something that um, somebody had illustrated uh, that looked like Atlantis to them. And to me, this was a really good uh, illustration of what I saw there. Everything was circular. And I don't know that I call them roads, but there were definitely you know, byways that separated these round rings where everything was built. And so there were passageways for you to get to one place to the other. 
Oh, okay. Mm. So it's not like they don't have, I guess, a typical mode of transportation like we would recognize on the surface. No, but remember, these are fourth, upper fourth and fifth dimensional beings. They have all of their abilities to do and manifest whatever they wish immediately, not like we have right now. And by mm. nature of, you know, who their bodies are, um, they, they're not us. Um, and, well. Well, they're not us. I mean, I, I've heard that because of their the nature of their frequency, that's the reason they can't actually come to the surface because it's so dense and 3d third dimensional on the surface that like they physically can't actually uh exist here because it's so it's too it actually is painful for them they you, they have to drop their vibration to match this one in order to experience it that's the reality of dimensionality is all about your vibration mm. and in order for them to come and experience this. Um, now that I know every time I put my foot in the next dimension, it gets harder and harder to come back here. One, you just don't want to leave that environment. And two, you have to drop your vibration to get back here. You started to mention something about healing in that realm. Uh, and here's what I can tell you. Uh, I've heard lots of things about med beds. And really when we hit our fourth dimensional levels, we're we found healing already and mm -hmm. our bodies have already changed we How are the med beds do you think yeah there mm -hmm. are no med beds in telos and here's why the the maladies and you know what physical things we've created diseases we created those here mm -hmm. that doesn't exist in the next level their beings are already past that and i'm sure a lot of that's attributed to you know crystalline form right. but there's nothing there like in this carbon form to find any cancerous agents or anything that um, would tend to make you sick. Um, my experience around COVID, and I don't want to spend a lot of time on that because I don't want to feed it any energy, but I'll tell you this, that I've certainly been around a lot of people that have been exposed to it. One girl in particular who I was visiting in rural Alabama, last year around this time and uh, she works in a hospital she had come home and was exposed to the delta virus i had been there for five days and i was with her it wasn't that i didn't hug her you know there was no opportunity to get intimate because she was just she finally succumbed to it after a couple of days um but i came away unscathed how's that happen i and here's the conclusion i came to that in my mind, COVID has to find some kind of malady inside of myself to attach to. Mm. Well, I didn't have any. And so as long as I maintain that intent and maintain that um, thought form, um, that's what I expect to well, experience. It, it's, like a, yeah. it's like a mind virus at that point. Um, and so if, if we're all one and it's a collective consciousness, if one person has COVID, everybody does. And it's up to the individual to, de to decide if they're going to get it or not, depending on how much you believe in it. And if you do have an underlying issue, obviously it targets that. And it's very complex. It's not, um, it's way more complex than what I'm describing. Yes. Mm -hmm. But I feel like on some level, um, 
it it all comes down to the individual's perspective on the whole thing. If you're in a lot of fear, correct. About it. Yeah, yeah, and then that's yeah. like where the, the hypochondriac comes in, where you can make yourself sick by thinking that you mm -hmm. that you be, just because you tested positive, even though you might not have it, you can make yourself sick because of the narrative and the propaganda. Anyway, we can we can go that yeah. direction. Thoughts are things is a whole another right. uh, uh, presentation, but here's a good illustration of what that actually means. I know we can believe anything we want to believe. We choose those things. We're sovereign beings with free will. So um, if I believe that I've been conditioned by people telling me I'm sick and I've allowed that to happen, then I, that's exactly what I'm going to experience. But right. if I already believe that I'm healthy, then that's what I'm going to experience because what you put out is exactly what you get back in abundance. Amen. Yeah. Bingo. Amen. Yes. Yeah. All right. So, so now that we've seen this third level, we've made our way back up to the first level. Uh, there are a couple of things I should back up the truck and kind of point out. There was an opportunity. Well, first of all, when I got into the space, I had looked up to see wh where this thing ended. How tall is this cavity that I'm inside of? And I couldn't see the top. Now, more importantly than that is this place was lit like daylight. How? There's no direct light coming from, it's, it's not the sun that illuminates this place. And upon reflections later, I realized that the things that I look like, none of them cast any shadows. The frequency so, based. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I want to convince myself that that's crystal. Somehow they've manufactured light from it and they mm. would certainly understand how to master that. That certainly resonates and makes sense with me. There yeah. was a couple opportunities when we had left the first level and kind of came down from that perch where we had looked at it and hovered over the city. And as we went by, you could see pockets of people over here and over there. And there were a couple opportunities, I want to say five or six, where I got to actually make eye contact with people as I was going by. And the sensation that I got was that I knew them. And not only did I know them, they knew me and I had been here before. This mm -hmm. had been like this space. I know this space and I've been here before and I don't know why. So it took me a while to unpack that feeling too and understand because it wasn't there that I learned I was a Lemurian. It was going to take a year later with a friend of mine who pointed out during one of these journeys that you know why they invited you in, Lowell, because you're one of them. Well, that just took me down another rabbit hole for me to understand what that meant. And so here was where I got to understand my connection to Lemuria and where that came from and where my place was in Telos and what I did and who I was. And um, there's a lot of things to unpack later. And that's another crazy discussion to have, but it's not for just me. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. once we finished that and made our way back up to the first level, there was one kind of building that got my attention because it was round when we first saw that. And it was off to almost immediately to the right-hand side on the first level. It turns out that's the council chamber. And so when we got back up to this level, that's where this craft had kind of pulled us. So the way that it's shaped are flat crystal panels all the way around it. And there's an opening that, you know, if the, the opening was big enough for French doors, this was the size of the opening. Of course, there was no doors. But on each side, in, in carved 
into those crystal were things that looked familiar to me. They were like these graphic codes. And remember I had mentioned my trip to Haruko's mm-hmm. in the back room of Haruko's and these magnificent light codes that she draws that there are some inspiration from inside of her. They're 10 feet tall, three feet wide, and she draws them all by hand. They take months for her to do. She doesn't use rulers and she doesn't use curvature tools. And yet these things are perfectly symmetrical, aren't they? Oh my God, it's crazy. So in the back room, she has five of these that are profound. And the first day I actually got to explore her shop and I went back there. I felt like I just wanted to spend some time there. I had three crystals in my pocket. I wanted to see if I could charge them in the room. So I asked for permission to meditate back there. She says, well, that's what it's for. It wasn't until I left and I noted to the left and the right of the door that I was going to come in and out of. When I left, the light, the code on the left-hand side was the one for New Earth. And the one on the right-hand side was the New Angelic Code which in other word, other terms is the new human blueprint. Those were the codes that were engraved in these two things outside the council chambers. Wow. And so when I mentioned it to Alex, I said, these look familiar to me. He goes, yeah, yeah Haruko, that's Haruko's work. And they're accurate. That's why we carved them here. So when we went inside the space, you can now see a round table in the middle with 13 chairs around. It's the only wooden thing I've seen in the place whatsoever, but there's beautiful crystals that are embedded in it. And um, once you moved into this space, I felt something in my heart core. Think of the most wonderful hug you've ever had and what that feels like here. And that sensation just kept pressing into your space the whole time I was in the room. It was almost like, if you wanted to break somebody down to their love quotient, here's how you do that. So I thought, well, I guess if you're going to talk about things in a council meeting, you have to make decisions. Maybe you want to soften everybody up first. Right. So I, yeah. I don't know if they reacted the same way that I did in the space. That was what happened to me. So as I was taking in that sensation, then five more people entered the room. Well, I can tell the guy in the middle who's taller than the others um, is Adama. He looks similar to the photographs or the illustrations I've seen on the books, but those things don't do that guy justice. Um, the other four were feminine members of the council. And so they invited me to take a seat at the table. Three of them sat to my left, three of them sat to my right, and they um, told me who they were and a little bit about themselves. And frankly, I other than the first woman who spoke, Adama and Alex, because I certainly had those people locked in, I couldn't remember the names of the others. One day, I'm sure that I will. I remember the first woman's name, that was Shiama, because as things moved on, she was going to chair this meeting. It was she that spoke. So she went on. I was going to learn what this was all about and why me. The... Lemurians had been preparing for the shift. And it was their opinion, which was the same one that I had come to the conclusion over months, that the shift was imminent around winter solstice 2020. 
would have been six months from the time that I was there approximately. Well, I resonated like hell with that. I had, in all of my research, had come to the same conclusion. I don't know that it was going to be on the 21st. And, you know, I believe that's not going to be on a day, but certainly around that solstice or an equinox, we know that those are energetic periods and they're like a wind- by lots of things. It's like a window. And it's more of a window than a day. For I these. agree. And, yeah. and I, I believe that with everything we hear about, like the Lion Gate or the Syrian portal and all this stuff, and there's always a date assigned to it. I always think, it's not, there's no way it's actually that date. I think it's a period. It's a window. I agree with you. You know, we want to put things into a fashion that our little 3D minds can make sense of it. And so we want to find a spot on the timeline where we can put it. Mm-hmm. Well, we know that it's only in this environment where we pay attention to time at all because yeah, they exactly. don't look at it that way. They mm-hmm. understand they can occupy multiple timelines as we can when we, um, resonate at the same level that they do i learned that i would had been bilocating long before i realized that that's what it was Mm. Um, and if people are curious about dreams that they're having let me be the first one to tell you if you haven't heard this somewhere else those are not dreams they're experiences that you're having Mm. and you remember them because there's a purpose you're remembering them in this construct that they were in we're limited to our capacity to understand all that but nonetheless it's still what you're going through um so i was excited by the news that they gave me then they went on to explain um, you know, why me? And first thing Shyama said, well, you demonstrated you can hold fifth dimensional awareness. And when I say that, lots of people go, that sounds really good, but I don't really understand what that means. It's all vibratory. Um, you know, when I get to the end, people ask me, well, what would it be that you would tell everyone, find your alignment? Because when you do, then you can adjust your vibration. You can adjust your vibration and your vibration is going to determine what it is that you experience. I'm telling you now that all of these things in the fourth dimension are all around us now here on Mm -hmm. earth, that lots of this influence has been around us for a long time, waiting for the time that we vibrate the same level that they do. And when this happened for me, apparently I was ready and my vibration matched theirs, which is why I had this experience in the first place. It wasn't that I went there that day to find Telos. I didn't freaking know anything about it that day. Right. Yeah. But here I went anyhow. So um, the second reason they said they chose me is they we know you're the protector of Gaia. Well, I don't know where they'd even come up with that idea. I had been told I was a protector of Gaia in an ayahuasca journey two years before that. And that's why I heard the phrase. Didn't know what it meant then, just kind of tucked it away and one day I'll understand what that means. And then the third was that um, the Lemurians were anxious, happy, looking forward to reintegrating with surface beings once vibration of earth matched theirs again, and they'll make themselves known. There's lots of wonderful technology they want to share with us. And it's not that humanity isn't without merit. Mm. We, the creativity that we possess is because of our emotions. That's what they don't really take advantage of anymore. It's not that they don't understand and appreciate duality. They certainly do, but they see beyond it. 
and they understand the collective moves beyond that, where we're just kind of stuck looking at that. And in my mind, I've come to the conclusion that, look, the extremes from that duality have become so extreme now. There's no way, in my mind, humanity is ever going to find their way back on the same page. No way. It's going to take some kind of a snap for that to happen. And that new earth that we've been promised and that we've been looking forward to all this time is where we're going to finally find that. And nobody really knew what that was or where it was. And it was just this kind of wonderful notion. Well, it's no longer a notion. And if someone were to ask me, well, you know, winter solstice came 2020, nothing happened. (laughs) Plenty has happened. This is a cycle. It's a process. We're, I don't know if I want to say halfway through it. I see Earth's ascension as think of a balloon that's passing through a membrane. And in order for you to get to the other side of this membrane, your vibration has to match what's on the other side. I think that we're so close to being 51% through that. And once we are, the rest of it just kind of sucks up. And now New Earth is born the way that she is. She's been refreshed. And those of us that vibrate at the same level find ourselves in New Earth. And that whole idea of you, you wonderful little fourth dimensional being, are now a co-creator for what is to come. It's up to us collectively to figure out where we want to go. But we understand we're connected to one another. And we understand that we, the, the primary construct there is we're all under the law of love we get it the law of one is who we are instead of this experiment we've been through well if you want to go back and find out what earth was back in its infancy this was all put together as an experiment to see how humanity would do and we've had some good times and we've also really screwed ourselves along the way. There were lessons we were supposed to learn. Exactly. And they always say we don't want to repeat the lessons of Atlantis because that is where we can point to where it all kind of fell apart. Whatever dark influence had its way with us was then. And that's when it all kind of fell apart. But when it did, um, Toth took who was left, made his way to Kem. And so the beginning of Egypt, was there but Mm -hmm. i digress yeah we're still not out of the room right so So, um, one sec let me let me slow down real quick so i agree with everything you just said especially about the vibration um and the moving into new earth it's really down to the individual and the frequency and sometimes you just can't see things because you're not at that vibration or that frequency uh our last episode was a compilation we did of valerie borrow may she rest in peace it was uh she has a beautiful message and she was over in Australia doing some work at Uluru, and she was told by whoever she was communicating with that on like at some point there was going to be a mass sighting at that rock, right? Well, she was confused because it didn't happen like she thought it was going to. And leaving the site, she got the message. She's like, we were there. We came. You just couldn't see us mm-hmm. because of like we were there in mass. And I think that on these certain dates, like you said earlier, like a solstice or something where people think nothing happens, it's not that nothing happened. It's just that we literally can't see it. And, I agree. And there, who knows what's happening just outside of our visible spectrum or right, right outside of our resonance 
that is profound and it's shifting this planet in a way that we just can't quite understand yet. I think that's happening a lot more than people realize. So it's easy for people to give up hope because they don't see anything changing. It's not that it's changing. They just literally can't see it. Mm. And I think that's what that's what's happening right now. And and I feel like shifting out of that, obviously, things will become more visible. That was put really well. And again, those people who can't see beyond that, you know, they they haven't broken out of their conditioning yet. They can only see what's in front of them. And most of the time, that's the screen that they're looking at. Well, you know, I don't know how that became a thing with you. Um, when people ask me, how did you find the things that you found? I got my ass off the couch and I stopped watching TV and I went out in nature to find the things I found and look what I found. And yeah. this wasn't just for me, guys. It's for all of us um, until the rest of us. And I have no control over that. And I don't I'm not here to change anybody's mind. I'm mm -hmm. not. Um, I'm here to share my experience. So if it resonates with somebody else, it's I doubt seriously whether you're going to follow the same path I did. But you're you are going to have profound experiences like this, too. Right. You're mm -hmm. going to find that magic that's around you, too. Um, it may not look like mine, but it's going to be miraculous nonetheless. Anytime yeah. I've had a profound experience, it caught me off guard. It sidelined me. I wasn't looking for it. I wasn't expecting it. Anytime I've tried to meditate and connect, it doesn't happen. Mm -hmm. It never happens. It's always when I'm not expecting it. It's always organically created. You know. mm -hmm. I'm glad you put it that way. And hopefully people that are listening to this, will, if they don't understand what that is, at least it'll make them curious about it. And maybe that was the trigger that was supposed to come along for them to explore that rabbit hole on their own, because that's the only way they're going to find it. Believe me, when I started to document the things that were happening and I put it on my website, it was to prove it to me, not necessarily to share it with others. These were the little things that I had built up along the way to make sense of it all to me. So I have connected all the dots. That's why I'm in a position to share what happened with me and put it into perspective. And that didn't come easy either. Because right. right after these things happen, you don't know how to explain them or what they mean. But when they do, now you understand that this was way bigger than you. That this was not meant just for you. Telos, in retrospect, now that I have a framework beyond that, was um, the first multidimensional experience. And it was to get my attention. And when I tell the story, it's to get yours. It's the shiny little bell I'm holding up. So here's a story I want you to hear that's true. Um, it's not fiction. And you're going to find your own way there. Yeah, well... It's the first of dimensional experiences we're all going to have. Mine was just profound in that way. And I, like you, didn't expect it. Mm -hmm. mm. Yeah, everything, everything in life, even a partner, whatever it is, a career, sometimes it, it always comes when you stop looking, right? Uh, and it's just when you're in that flow state. Mm -hmm. And uh, thank you for sharing this because it is important. Sometimes people don't understand like what's so crucial about somebody just sharing their story. They don't stop to consider how that could be activating even one person that listens, just the right person. Because if that person gets activated, the ripple effect that it has is, is unmatched. So 
it's always important to let somebody share their story because you never know what piece of the puzzle they have. But let's go back into the room, the council room. Let's get back to the story because it's absolutely fascinating. So you're in there uh, and you're yeah, finding the, out. The, the third part was um, I had explained that um, they were looking to reintegrate with the surface people. And when that time came, they would hope that I would be an emissary. Well, when they mm. said that, um, then Adama spoke, and it was really the only time he said anything. He said that the entire population was in concert with this whole idea, and that they hoped when the time came that I would choose to be an emissary on this site. When I said I'd be honored to do that after I stammered a little bit, with that, the meeting was over, and they were on their way. They got their answer. And I think in the end, this was a demonstration for me to see how real this was. Mm. And um, we left the room. Um, they had gone. We made our way back to that staging area. And that's when I hadn't said much. I'm just taking it in. When I asked, when I was asked a question, I responded. But other than that, I just wanted this memory. And hopefully one day I can extract this video file out of my head and let you all put it on like a VR device so that you can experience what happened with me as well. I had two questions in the end. One, can I come back? And the answer was, yes, you'll be able to come back before the ship. It wasn't fine any further than that. But yes, the answer is yes. And two, can I tell anybody? Well, he kind of chuckled again. He said, you can tell anybody you want. Because it's not like anyone's going to find their way here. You did without our assistance. And furthermore, we want people to know that we're here. We want them to know what's coming. And that it, there's nothing to be afraid of that we're here to assist. Um, the next thought I remembered was I was back up in that spot before all this had happened where I had been sitting outside. So clearly I had portaled my way back there and it took me a couple years to understand that phenomenon. In fact, when the real reality came around was when we were all hiking in Shasta and three of our companions drifted off and yep. took off in different directions and yet found their way to areas that no way in the amount of time they had and in the distances that they had to cover did they do that on their own and on foot. And yeah. none of them were fatigued. And yeah. some of these people had found their way to 10,000 feet. Yeah. So we know that they also that was That was our Barry, friend Barry. Barry Everson is a good friend Barry. of ours. And he was, yes. yeah, he, he's actually, uh -huh. uh, I was like, there's no way you got, when I found out where he was, there's no way he did that. three and a half miles from the top parking lot and he had gone up higher. Yeah. So yeah. in order for him to get the bunny flats where he got picked up, he would have had to trudge three and a half miles and God knows how much time that took. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. And he's not a hiker at all. Like yeah. at all. Nope. Either. Nope. <laughs> so he'll tell you that, but he looked yeah. fresh as a daisy when he popped he out of that car. Yeah. Was he not in breath at all. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's insane. We got to say hi to Barry. What's up? I hey. know he's listening. Hey, Barry. <laughs> uh, he's a friend of ours. He's been actually, he's popped on the show a few times when we've gone live from conferences and stuff. Uh, great, yeah. great person. Uh, I love Barry. Yeah. yeah he's awesome. Um, so, yeah, so you automatically just found your way out of out of Telos. You were never actually escorted out that you remember. No. Somehow from there, I made my way back to the car. And that's when kind of 
my wherewithal kind of kicked back in because when I got back down by the parking lot, that's when I started to take account of what was around me. There's lots of cars. It's Sunday afternoon. There's lots of cars and people, couples and families that are hiking all over the place. And all I can think of is no one has any idea what I just went through. So what do I do with it? Well, I bolted back to town and I thought I need to talk to somebody that can help me put in this perspective. No, I just need a touchstone that can help me understand what this was. So I went by Haruko's shop and it's closed on Sunday. So that didn't help. Mm-hmm. Went to the crystal room to find Bev, who back then was the owner and the manager. And Bev's been around this community for a while. And she's well aware of interesting phenomena. So when I got there, it was about three o'clock by then. She had customers in the store and she was waiting to check somebody out. And I was just waiting for the opportunity to just say something. Well, I found a little niche in that there was a moment that I could kind of catch her attention. And I said, I got to tell you something happened to me. I just took a trip to tell us. And she looked at me without any change in her demeanor at all and, and looked at me like, yeah, okay. Hmm. Like that happens. <laughs> like, right. yeah, that's normal. You're not really helping me here. <laughs> Is there any else you can do? Well, she couldn't. So I went back to my room and I started to Google everything I could find about Telos, Lemuria, tried to do whatever I could to find someone that could help me. And along along the way, I found a website from a woman named um, Asara Adams. Asara has been channeling higher beings, including Adama, for a while. Um, She had been a successful real estate person in Florida before something triggered her and she moved to Shasta and now she does this. Um, She has had experiences astrally in TELUS. And so I, there was contact information on her webpage. I phoned and left her probably the strangest voicemail she's ever heard. (laughs) Um, But bless her heart, 45 minutes later, she called me back and for two hours, I shared what had happened to me. And at the end of it, she gave me some feedback. And she said, you know, I was um, listening to your story and I know it's authentic and here's why I can tell you that. She said, I've seen things that I've never talked about before and you described them in great detail. Mm. I've never talked about them before because I wasn't allowed to. Um, I know that you were there because I've seen the same things. And when I asked her, you know, well, how come you've never talked about them? She says, I haven't been allowed. There are things that I can't share, and there are things that I can't share. And right now, that was one of the things I couldn't share. But I have this sense that things are relaxing, even for her, and Mm -hmm. that with as much change as coming around and with as much awareness as we want of all of this from a positive standpoint, that the time for everybody to understand what this is is now. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. The interesting thing about the people who aren't allowed to share certain information is that even if they do, the majority of people aren't going to believe them anyway. You know, the the people who haven't gone through their awakening and stuff. So it's it's interesting to me, like, why why do they care if that information get, was was to get shared if no one's going to believe it anyway? But at the same time, maybe there's maybe there's codes or keys or codes that come with that information that unlocks people that we just weren't ready for yet. I don't know. Maybe if it's, you know, I'm glad you pointed that out because you made some comments before about things that trigger people. I happen to believe that when we choose our incarnations and we set our lessons, 
We have also made agreements with people that are going to help us along our way. Well, if we've done that, then I'll bet that I planted triggers in these people so that when our paths crossed again, you're going to say whatever that word is that was going to trigger my reawakening. Yeah. And it's happened for me now. And the more and more I watch other people, when you can see it on the look on their face, they finally get it. Right. That brings me great joy when I see somebody that finally resonates and gets something that they didn't really understand before. But that's why I say maybe I had a trigger for them. Maybe I said a word or uttered a phrase or whatever it was. I'm sure that there are some things that I planted. And you agreed to come along during my journey and help me when the time came. Mm -hmm. I believe that we all reincarnate for purposes. And that now that I understand I was Lemurian and I did spend time in Telos, that I chose this incarnation as a Blu-ray to come back and be born here because that was the way we were going to help. Right. No one was going to be born on Earth and then transfer. No, you had to come into this incarnation with that already inside of you to the point at which it would open up and you would understand it and be able to use it again. But when I see it happening with me and how accelerated that line timeline was, yeah. and then I see all the people and tribe around me that are waking up at the same time, man, every signal says this shit's coming soon. Get ready. Right. Yeah. The shift is an inside job. And we do yes. it by incarnating here with that knowledge, with that inner knowing, with that in our DNA to eventually be activated so we can be part of the disclosure of Telos and whatever else it might be. And it can't be them just showing up and say, hey, we exist, everybody, here we are. Because no one, I mean, not no one, but a majority of people aren't ready for that. They won't know how to respond to that information. Or they'll be in fear. Or they'll be in fear. Be in fear. Or, it's or a good point. Or mm -hmm. they'll sabotage the they'll sabotage the experience it will have a negative effect well look at what we've been exposed to along the way when we think of extraterrestrials all we can think of are movies and things that have been presented to us and mm -hmm. very little of it was put in a positive light yeah. so i can see where people would be afraid because it's just part of our dna we understand duality so i want to understand the good and the bad of everything mm -hmm. so i get contrast here's one of those things where until they can get past the fear um they're going to have trouble digesting it and when i say i don't have any fear anymore i say that with certainty and a lot of people are going to look at me and go what do you mean you're not afraid of anything i'm not and here's the reason why because i've seen what comes next mm -hmm. really last fall i'd have had it with humanity <laughs> When I start to pay too much attention to the news and all the shit that goes on that way, and you're just crying for everybody else and the pain that they're unnecessarily going through, it just, it pains me to no end. Um, I I just want it to stop. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. And there's, yeah. there's healing that has to occur also. So it's not even just about like breaking that fear body and getting out of fear. If you're holding on to any, uh, trauma or something that you might not, it's subconscious, right? From your childhood, yes. from whatever it might be, there's things that happen to us along the way in life. We don't realize the ramifications they're going to have for us 30 years down the road as an adult trying to heal and go through this awakening. If we're holding on to anything that's keeping us tied to the 3D reality, tied into the matrix and that uh, energetic cord to our 
past version of ourselves, we have to let go of that. And that doesn't look pretty. And it is a scary process to go through. So I understand the fear as far as it's a very scary feeling stepping out of the out of the known into the unknown, because Mm -hmm. that's where, you know, life begins outside of your comfort zone. So I, I totally get that. But there's also it's not just a fear. There's a healing that has to happen as well. Yeah. It, it goes hand in hand. Yeah. I, you know, I loved listening to your assessment and, um, it, but there's a lot of people here that have heard what you said and understand the words, but they don't understand how I get here. Right. I understand mm-hmm. I need some healing, but I don't know what I need healing from and where I would even get. And how do I do until that? Pain. Yeah. yeah. They, they're still looking outside themselves. Like we always had for right. some kind of feedback or help man until you find out that it's in here you are a spark of source Uh, we're all just individual souls um we've had different arc incarnations somewhere else so you know we are not this body that we occupy in this 3d space although that's the experience we're having until Mm -hmm. you have some way that has expanded your awareness of the other things that are possible being around you and then finding your tribe to help make that connection because it's still not going to come from them. But somewhere in the midst of all that, those touchstones you've been looking for for help, they might not be able to tell you what happened in yours, in your particular miraculous instance, but they're here to encourage you to explore it. No one's going to look at you like you're crazy because you were meant to have miraculous experiences bingo i love that yes it's beautiful and even just until recently like there was an aspect of myself that was still looking externally as much as we talk about it as much as i understand to go inward and and i understand that uh there was an area where i really didn't realize i'm i was still trying to like look for this external validation on some level and it wasn't until just very recently I had this this crazy experience where I understand like, wow, there's it really is within and I have some work to do still. I'm not where I thought I was. And it takes time and it really takes time to really understand that because we are programmed from day one. Everything is external. Everything yeah. is external. You're dissolving a lot of programming that, you know, we were Mm -hmm. conditioned by the people who came along before and they didn't know any better. Our parents, church, school, hobbies, whatever it is, your circle of friends, they did the best with what they had to work with, too. Right. And you know, if you want to find someone to blame, which you know, don't waste your time on that, don't put your energy into that. Um, there's no one to blame. This mm-hmm. is just you signed up for lessons to learn. They weren't all going to be good ones, but in the end, they were going to be good for you and they were going to be good for the collective. Because in time, all the things that are stored in your Akash are shared with the collective. So thank you both the lousy lessons you learned because i didn't have to learn them but see how we all benefit from that collectively when we get back to the point where we understand we're all one that's where i want to go and so when i was saying before that i'd had it with humanity and i just if i have the capability to ascend just take me well that's when my guides came back and said it's not really the deal you made (laughs) you asked us to restore some of your abilities here so that you could help others ascend here you go Mm -hmm. right exactly and that's this is exactly what the transition looks like 
because people like you and everyone, half the people, if not all the people listening, they're all guided here for a reason. They have something to offer. They're here for a reason. We're all on missions. We're all here to learn lessons, soul evolution, uh, all the above. Uh, it, it comes down to that. And as much as you want to escape this reality, because the system sucks, right? No, yes. there's no way around it. That's it sucks. Uh, yeah. But but Gaia doesn't. And that's where we have to remember mm. when you do go out in nature and have these experiences, it's a beautiful place. It's not mm -hmm. the planet that is is imprisoning us. It's the system. And, and then the, well, it's because most people are still asleep. Right. They don't they don't yes. know who they really are. So yes. they're unconscious. So it's not, that's just yeah. where they're at, you know, but they're as amazing. badly as I feel for them. I, yeah. I, I, here's where I said before, it's not my job to change anybody's mind, but right. I'm here to support the rest of you. They're on your journey. And I'm here to listen with open ears to your experiences. Cause listen to mine. They're pretty freaking crazy. Aren't they? Yeah. But they're yeah. real. And there's more real things that have happened since then that I'm just telling you, when you all get to vibrate at your level with everything else that's going around you, you're going to be able to experience colors you've never seen before, audio you know, spectrums that you've never experienced before, never mind beings that are around you at the same time. It was funny when we were in Shasta. Um, Deba was one of the girls that was along on this hike with us and she drifted off like a couple others had well when she I saw her the next day she said that she ran into a being while she was up in that area really and actually she had found a cave she found the cave that day oh no way. Um, anyway she had sketched it and I'll be damned if it didn't look like Alex really really oh she's wow that's amazing yes yeah I think that, see, that's interesting to me is whenever somebody has the encounter like that and it corroborates with exactly mm -hmm. what you saw, that's what makes it real. And there's no coincidence that she saw mm -hmm. that you had yeah. an experience with him. This is just a sign to me that things are shifting and they're ready to communicate on a higher level now. Believe me, they want to. Um, but even when they step into this realm, understand they have dropped their vibration i went back a year after when i had made my trip there because i wanted to see it for myself again and as quickly as i could get back there it was just I, I needed to go back and see what had happened and so this time the conditions had changed inside of me that mm -hmm. awareness had broadened and that i was beginning to see energetic things everywhere signatures were clear to me and so when i got back up to this space um that opening i had seen before was now like a, a, a hologram energetically you can see it was there so i went back up to that space just to spend some time there and the road had not been open so i had to hike from bunny flats to get back there took me four hours to get there but i want to say it wasn't because uh it, that was how strenuous the hike was and i want to take away anything from that because there were multiple elevation changes um but nonetheless i had found energetic patches along the way too and i stopped to enjoy them so when i got back up there and i had pointed my self to look back in the direction where you know the parking lots were there was no one else here the road wasn't open. The only way we were going to get here is by hiking the same way that I did. Well, as I was taking that in and facing that direction, that's when I felt the breeze from behind me again. 
And when I turned around, there inside this space is Shyama, eight feet tall in all her glory, wearing like this green thing that looked like a hologram. Mm. Um, and the first thing I thought was you're so close why don't you just step out into this realm and my i already knew the answer she'd have to drop her vibration in order to do that and who would do that well she must have been channeling into me um etherically because when i said that in my mind she said well you did mm. i guess i did mm. drop my vibration to come back here. yeah right. you had to yeah yeah so the second time you're there did did you get invited back in or was it just a conversation? We didn't go in. We had our conversation there. I was there for about 45 minutes and we had interesting discussions. The first thing she said it was, I understand they call you Starbuck. And I go, I don't know where you understand all this stuff from, but yeah, that's my handle on like Facebook and how she would know that and use it. I don't know, but they're just things that are cute. Now her voice is melodious in a way that I can't even describe. I wish I could put, I, there were words that I could put to these scenarios that did them justice. Maybe one day I'll be able to, but right. you just can't describe that kind of wonder. Mm -hmm. it, it, it's magic. There's no other way to describe it. Yeah. Wow. So did, would you say it sounded like elvish, like an elf from Lord of the Rings or something? Like very... No, it... That has become more clear. However, I could understand her, and it was in English back then, and a, a strange kind of um, almost British Australian kind of tongue. Um, there's been more information I've received recently that Lemurians communicate with us through vibration, mm -hmm. and that those of us that vibrate at that level can communicate and understand that. Um, and I had heard an Indian channeler utter my name in a channeling session. And I heard that from an Australian filmmaker who had been going around the world um, capturing interesting phenomena. Well, he run into this Indian channeler, this young man who had been channeling higher beings, including the Pleiadians back in May. And when he was there, somehow he had been triggered to learn more about Manchasta and Telos. And so when he got to sit with Sam in India, he said, yeah, I'm curious about Telos and Mount Shasta and Lemurians. And I heard the story about this guy named Lowell Johnson, who said that he's been in Mount Shasta. What can you tell me about Shasta and Telos? And Sam went on to say, well, um, I don't know what it's like because he wanted to know what their technology was, like what the area is. And Sam said, I can't speak to that, but I'll certainly ask that question in the future. But. Uh, as far as Lowell was going to come up, that was going to happen later on. Adam, this filmmaker, made his way to Shasta while we were there for the conference. And there was a two-day overlap where I was going to be there and he was going to be there. He was coming in from Croatia. And so mm -hmm. when we finally had a time and he got a chance to like put his hands on the guy that said he's really been there, he said, yeah, I'm going to reach out to Sam. Is there anything that you want me to ask him? Well, I said, I can't think of anything I, that I'd want to ask him. And I don't know what I'd ask him that I want to know, but I'd sure be curious to see what he'd have to say about me, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, he came back. There were three questions he wanted to ask Sam. The first one was, would he be able to visit Telos while he was there that week? 
The answer he got back was, yes, you'll be able to, you have our permission, but you can do that astrally. It's not like he's going to take a physical trip, but I'm telling you, that's nothing to poo-poo at because even to get permission to do that astrally is a significant thing. Mm-hmm. The second thing he wanted to know more about their technology and the spaces where they live. And they were trying to bring him back to focus on consciousness. Then you'll understand the technology that we have because consciousness is what gives us the technology. You can't have technology without creativity and you can't have creativity without consciousness. Okay. Thank you for connecting those dots. It makes real sense to me. Right. Then the third thing you want to understand is what can you tell us about Lowell Johnson and what his purpose and ascension is? So now I hear from this Chandler in India describing what my purpose is and what I'm doing here. And that he said, I'm paraphrasing, we understand the entity known as Lowell Johnson is here to assist in the raising of consciousness. And he's been in touch with us many times through his higher being. He has the same ability that Sam has to take our vibration, which isn't in your language, and translate it so that humanity can understand it, because it's going to be important for them to be able to understand it with what's coming up next. So apparently, the same way that Sam can take their communication vibrationally and understand what that is, I carry the same ability. But I've had some other things that have happened in the last two months that have helped me understand i've heard variations of lots of different i called it light language first i was corrected it's star language and it wasn't all the same but i can tell you i can understand it all now Mm -hmm. and there was a period last year when i got to see some interesting artifacts um, that were covered with codes and symbols and at first, when I saw that, I photographed them because later on, I want to understand what these were. Well, after I had this revelation that I could understand these star languages, that I went back, pulled those pictures out and started to look at the symbols. Guess what? Yeah, I can recognize a lot of them. And not only that, three of these pieces were ceremonial pipes that were 30,000 years old. And I could find symbols that were common to a couple of these and these were not found in the same place. Mm. So there's just more dots that are being connected to share. And again, this wasn't for me alone. I'm the first one. I'm not meant to be the only one. Mm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yes. I agree with that. And going back to briefly the technology and how you said it's, it's consciousness, right? And you have to understand that before you can under, understand their technology. And I always go back to not just you, but anyone who has ever stumbled across any inner earth cavern, for the most part, claims it's artificially lit somehow. They don't. There's no light source. And even, even people who have been on aboard craft, they say the same thing. I really think we're dealing with uh, a, a sound. I think the light is created from a frequency. And I, I, I truly believe that they somehow are able to harness that. And it's really just a frequency that might be inaudible to us, but at the right resonance, it creates light. It creates light. I see things exactly the same way. In my opinion, the way that we're going to communicate in this next realm, we're not going to speak English, German, Italian, whatever it is. We already communicate um, through thought, but what communication we will have will be symbols, sound, 
color um, and um, uh, sacred geometry. Mm. Codes. You're right. going to see codes. I ran into somebody I met, um, Dave Wallace, I met in Shasta, spent a lot of time with him. And Dave had shown me some things that he had been downloading. And he had been shown these mathematical equations that were put in forms of code. But mm. when you see them at first, the code is stretched out like this. Well, when they want to finally give it to you, when you see what happens, the code is turned and like compressed. Right. And to everyone else that sees that symbol, they understand the entirety of all of it. So now we understand what symbols represent and where hieroglyphs and all those things served a purpose. Then nobody cared about speaking language. That became a thing we did in this third dimensional realm. But the way that thing communication took at high realms was this other way it's interesting because a symbol is proven it bypasses the conscious mind and Mm -hmm. it goes directly to the subconscious which therefore affects you your dna and affects you energetically and so much it's like telepathy right it's like a download like so much information comes through seeing that symbol that you don't consciously pick up on but it it's it's more effective somehow. And I feel I like, and look at this is face it. You said hieroglyphs. Well, let's go to emojis on our phone. Like it does the same thing. Mm-hmm. You, can, you can type out uh, 10 emojis in a row and then tell a story. And you, and you get, understand. Yeah, exactly. And you understand. So maybe we're just, you know, devolving back to that place where we communicated easily with others because it looks somebody in Germany understood what that emoji went just as easily as someone in Japan or Australia or here didn't matter the language. They understood the graphic. Right. Mm -hmm. By the way, there's been a thumbs up (laughs) emoji that keeps showing up on your screen. Do you see that's me every time I move? That's you. We (laughs) We were like, is that the inner earth? You'd think I was Italian with how I'm so animated when I talk. (laughs) Right. (laughs) That's funny. Um, That's awesome. But no, I I agree a hundred percent. Like, and we've heard, We've heard people who who've claimed even been in underground military bases where they have symbols on the walls, and the deeper you go, there's different symbols that unlock your subconscious mind and and mm-hmm. help you remember who you are and why you're there. And as you go back up, you see those symbols, and it almost deprograms you to to you know to the uh, what am I trying to say? The blankness that you have already. Yeah. Um, this has been absolutely incredible. I don't even know yeah. how long we've been going. Uh, is there anything else that you you're compelled to share that you would like to share with us before we start wrapping this up? No, you know, another time we can talk about what happened last year because that's more significant. And it wasn't that I didn't want to share the tell a story and especially with your audience, they need to hear that first. But what happened last year is going to put light into perspective and what that really means. Cause this photon energy that's coming our way, that's enhancing earth and helping rise her um, vibration, like I talked about before, um, is also affecting us as well. Making no mistake, earth is ascending with or without us. We're not tied to her. And it wasn't that humanity all kumbaya enough that we all helped her vibration rise to her next level of consciousness. She's in a cosmic cycle. She was going there one way or the other. And here is where when we understand what our vibration is and how that affects everything else, when we match hers, we get to 
spend all our time in that splendid environment. Right. We get, yeah. it's our choice to assist. Like it's like you said, it's happening with or without us, but we can certainly play our part once we, mm-hmm. once we're aware of why we're here and what we're doing. And, uh, and that's order- the point. Awareness is all what it's about. Right. Right. Uh, yeah. But look at how many, uh, even people around you, think about it. How many people over really the last few years have come forward with questions about this? Something is awakening in all of them mm-hmm. where the rest of us had been going on, living our lives, having you know successful careers in other places. And all of a sudden we learn that that's not what this is about. You came to play that role, and so you did. But let me remind you what's really coming next. And Earth is about to change. If you wish to change with her, here are the things that you just need to be aware of. Mm-hmm. And so we put that out there to as many people as as we can get to hear it. How they resonate with it is totally up to them. And again, here, I'm not here to convince anybody of anything else. Mm-hmm. I know what happened with me. And I am a reasonably intelligent individual, and I have no reason to come up with a story like this. And even if I did, I would have had to think this story through like three years ago and then figure out how I was going to knit it all together. That's not how any of this happened. Absolutely. I'm not the only one that this is happening to, and it just gives me great comfort. When more tribe show up, just like they did in Shasta. It wasn't that I didn't know Aaron before then here, at least yeah. I didn't think so. But clearly we had a connection before because everyone we meet, there's no coincidence. Mm. There's somebody that we connected to in higher realms already. And this was just the time that we, our paths were going to cross again. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and that's exactly what's happening. Every time we go to a conference, you're hooking up with Soul Family. I mean, there's no question about it. There's so many yeah. times when we go to these gatherings where you meet somebody for the first time, but you feel more at home around that person than anybody in your immediate family. Yeah. And yeah. why is that? Because there's that soul recognition. And just by coming together into union like that, uh, it's it's changing. It's changing the timeline. It has that ripple effect. And the shift is, you know, then we go back home and we anchor that energy back where we're staying and that's why I think it's important also to travel, which I think is part of the reason they didn't want us to travel or they don't want us to travel so much is because right now, more than ever, it's crucial that we get to certain ley lines and certain key points on the planet. Just even if we're not doing anything but being there, our energies imprint, we're, we're doing grid work, we're doing mm. healing work. So yes. If you go there and then you come back, like I just went to Australia, I came back. They make it very, very difficult to travel there right now. By the way, it's not some easy trip. Yeah. You have to really want to go. I've heard that. So, yeah. but when I was there, it was magical. It was nothing like the propaganda makes it out to be. I visited this place called the Crystal Castle. It has some of the largest crystals in the world on the surface there. They did this singing bowl meditation for 20 minutes. I sat down, didn't know what to expect. I literally found myself, I, I saw this waterfall that was on the property. I didn't even know it was there. But I saw it and I saw it trickling down into this little hole. Then all of a sudden I was underground into this massive crystal cavern and this water was cascading down. It was absolutely beautiful. And there was like a civilization down there. This is the vision I got. Nothing. I was not expecting that. I wasn't looking for that. And when I was in that meditation, I couldn't even physically get up. I was so I was I was just transported somewhere else. 
but I feel like by me going there and experiencing that and my energy, and now I get to bring, bring that back here to St. Louis. I think that's, that's key right now for everyone to just get out from behind the screen, go places exactly like you said, the profound effect that it's going to have with the transition is, is un, there's no words for it. Yeah. You connecting when you're suggested connecting to you know, grids, we're just energetic beings. We're really no different than earth. You know, our chakras are just like her. She what's happening now to her physicality is originally there were 12, 12 crystal pyramids here on the earth that were spread out so that that's how it covered and created the grid, not just to connect things here, but beyond. And so those things, those crystal pyramids are coming back into alignment, which is why us little energetic beings are trying to make those connections again. And we're finding where we get to assist energetically, how we assist that process. I wanted to mention one other thing, because you had said Uluru before. And last year when I was in Shasta, I had an experience to go to someone's house one evening. And um, one guy was playing a didgeridoo. Nice. We kind of went into a meditative state. And during that, I had astrally visited Uluru. And in one frame, you know what Uluru looks like. And it's like this vast wasteland of nothing there. Well, I saw that in the first vision. And then immediately I saw like the veil got pulled back. And now it's this lush, green, amazing place, which is where we're going in the next realm. Here's what Uluru is going to look like next. Wow, nice. that's beautiful because that the, our last guest that we uh, had, the last episode, she did all kinds of work there with Uluru, you know, and there's no coincidence now that we're talking about this again. And I think it's one of those sites that doesn't get quite enough attention. And there's some people that claim that it's truly the heart chakra of the planet. And then we've kind of been handed this like uh, misinformation as far as like the real heart chakra to keep people looking somewhere else. But when you actually look at an aerial view of Uluru, it looks like a human heart, even with like a vessel. Yes. And wow. And it's it doesn't make any like the explanation for how it got there, like mainstream can't explain it. Doesn't it. make any sense. Mainstream yeah. can't explain it. Uh it's 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 from the stars. I mean, there's mm-hmm. something profound I about agree. that place. That and the devil's tower are those two things that we just can't figure out how they got there, how they were formed. Yeah. But here they are nonetheless. Right. Yeah. Right. And totally. it's all hand in hand. Shasta, Devil's Tower, like all these sites, Uluru, and all these other insignificant, um, mm-hmm. what we would just think might even be a mountain, could be some ancient pyramid or some ancient site. Mm-hmm. And it's all being turned on. And I think that there's going to be discoveries being made of you know, we when they discover these pyramids, they're in the middle of a forest. They're not hidden. They're just overgrown and stuff. I think right. we're going to start, you know, we think that we've discovered everything there is to be discovered. I don't think so. I think there's a new age of exploration happening, and it's going to look completely different than anything we're used to. And I'm here for it, and I'm going to be there yeah. for Agreed. it. Agreed. Um, well, thank you, guys. I appreciate Um, And there's an audience of yours that needs to hear this information. Um, We can certainly do this again because there's your part B is talking about light language and my experience with actual light beings, physical interactions with light beings. And Mm. here is where when I say I'm not supposed to be the only one, I'm the first one. This is what I'm talking about. I 
I've had that captured on pictures. Some of them, some of you have seen. Um, them. That's undeniable. Mm -hmm. And so when it was suggested to me that these were for your portfolio, when they were first given to me, at first I didn't understand what that meant. Well, now I do. It's sooner or later, your story is going to get out low and you're going to tell it. But right. yours is going to be different from everyone else's and that you're going to have pictures to show them. When you want to talk about having experiences of white beings, here's the pictures. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, definitely yeah. part two. Hands down, let's do it uh, soon. Why not? You know, and so do you want to please share with people your website? Uh, if you have anything yes. coming up, anything like that? Yeah. Um, it, um, my website is 40kftview. It's for 40,000footview.com. Um, I'll be the next conference I'm in is actually in Orlando. Danny Henderson has they're expecting 1500 to 2000 people. It's finally an inside event. Uh, and there are quite a few people that are going to be there. So I'm going to present at that. Um, but I'm making plans to make my way to Egypt. And there is a group of us that's making a plan to go there in March. All right. So um, between now and then, I uh, don't know. Um, that's but I will, same. if you're it's... interested, I'll send you the information on it because we're going back with an insider who's been there before and understands, you know, what protocols, because most of that stuff they get to view is on lockdown. And mm. when tours take place, it's overnight because these places are open to, you know, the public and people that live there during the day. So you have to make these trips then. I had uh, two friends of mine and Cindy, who um, is actually the person who speaks star language to me, or the ones that have been there. And Cindy's organizing a trip to go back. Mm -hmm. um, they had shown me some pictures of their trip. And when Donald and Lisa were showing me the pictures he had taken, he hadn't really looked at them much. They were taken at night. Well, when you look really closely at the pictures into the sky, because there's some phenomenon there that doesn't look like it belongs there, it looks like there's these curved lights, right? In a couple pictures, they were yellow, and in another one, they were blue. When you zero in on them, it's not a line. They were dots of lights. Mm. And they showed up in different places in every picture. Right. I don't know what it is yet, but I'm going to get to the bottom of it. Right. What were we going to say about... Oh, so time to go to egypt yeah well no the egypt trip is that the one with carrie cassidy that she's going to be on or do you know i don't know I don't okay because uh um amanda and deb or i don't know which one found out about it and then we we're all wanting to go and it's march like you said but it could be it they said it was be. carrie cassidy it was the one putting it like planning it all suzanne um, spooner is also doing a i saw a trip yeah, that's so, a different one. Yeah, right. It's yeah. a different trip, but there's no question that these trips are They're being all happening. organized. We're being drawn there for a reason. Right. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Egypt's another place. And there's also healing that needs to be that needs to take place at these sites. And yes. that's what we're we're all we're doing all of it. We're doing all of it. And it doesn't even I would say for anyone listening, don't focus too much on what I'm supposed to do. Like like you say, if you're guided somewhere, just go and let it unfold. Be in that flow mm -hmm. state, you know. Uh, it's it's yeah. hard to do. I'm I know that from experience. It's hard to go and be in that flow state because we're constantly distracted. Things happen, but uh, don't put too much emphasis on why and just know that you're supposed to be there. 
couldn't agree more. Yeah. Um, well, thank you so much. This has been incredible. We will do this again. Uh, thank you. I've totally forgot to mention any of the products earlier, but uh, I will talk about the CBD because I believe in that stuff. If you're looking for a new CBD oil, uh, if anything, just to help relax your nervous system uh, when everything is so heightened, uh, Hopewell Farm is amazing. You get 10% off all their products with uh, promo code Journey to Truth 10. And uh, that link is below. Uh, take advantage of it because uh, it's amazing. It's an amazing product and uh, we truly believe in it. So with that, I'll just go ahead and wrap this up. Um, thank you all for listening. Thank you so much for your support. Uh, we couldn't do it without you and uh, we have no plans on stopping. So thanks again, Lowell. We love this. This was amazing. Any, any thanks final? again, guys. Thank you so much. Thank you. See you soon. All right. All right. Um, good night, everybody. See you next time. <laughs>